Welcome to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren. Hello and welcome back to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren. I am Megan. I am Lauren, of course. And I think we're finally getting the hang of an intro. Yeah, we are. (laughs) Finally happened. Slightly over a year. And here we are crushing it knowing our own names yes uh well hello everybody um as we are exiting 2010 2020 2010 what the fuck Uh, 2020 is so fucked up that we're now back to 2010 somehow it's uh we have our best scientists working on it but we're confused we're very confused um we're getting out of this year leaving and and we're excited about it but you know we definitely wanted to have a little moment for 2020 and and talk about some good stuff first first and foremost (laughs) I, I think Megan had something she definitely wanted to talk about today which Lauren can tell because it is in the slideshow uh-huh. in all caps. It's very intense. Yes. So just for context, guys, we're recording this on December 18th. So this is fairly breaking news. We're not releasing this until New Year's Day. So we've probably already discussed it with all your podcasts that show up on time and do <laughs> like regular podcasts or anything. Yes. But the Zodiac Killer. The Zodiac so. Killer. The Zodiac Killer. Who? So, they, a team of nerds, uh, I literally read them describe themselves as a team of nerds, that's why I'm calling them nerds. And I'm so uh, proud. So very proud of you. But my golly, they have cracked the freaking code for the Zodiac Killer. They cracked one of his messages. Lauren, did you read what it said? I did. I can't remember verbatim, but he was just basically, like, throwing it in their face, like, oh, you'll never catch me. Like, yes. Sort so, of yeah, like w- the gingerbread man. It is fascinating. Um, also, like, it's kind of exactly what I would have expected it to yeah. be. Um, but it's interesting. I'm just gonna, so this is the 340 cipher, uh, which was apparently written diagonally, which is why it took so long mm. to crack. So a bold choice. On the Zodiac parts. I'm just going to read it in case yeah. anybody in the next two weeks has missed out on this information. If you're under um, a rock currently, here's what you missed out on. Were you on like a really nice trip at an Airbnb in a forest and just haven't been paying attention for the news? If so, good for you. I would also like to be somewhere isolated without my phone. <laughs> That sounds amazing. We're just here to catch you up. So it says, I hope you are having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everybody else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death. Alrighty. So, exactly the type of, I mean, also, Paradise is misspelled. I don't know how important that is. It's just very important to me that we mention that. So, bold theory about this. Totally spitballing. But, and this is something that Tim pointed out, so I'll I'll give him credit. But basically, 
I think that this letter, him talking about possibly killing people to get slaves for the afterlife, mm-hmm. does actually lend some credence to the theory that he Egyptian? committed suicide, and that's why the murders stopped. Oh. Because if he felt like he had enough slaves in the afterlife to not be afraid of death and the murders abruptly stopped, he may have uh, decided it was his time and taken himself out of the equation. So I know that was like kind of a popular, like that was a theory that was thrown around because the murders started and then stopped so abruptly. So obviously we don't know for sure. We're just kind of, we've been talking about it at home and that's just something we're curious if that's interesting. Yeah. I don't I don't know why I thought that you're leading into he's possibly Egyptian. I think <laughs> I think I be, I mean bold maybe. Ba- you know, hot take, maybe Egyptian. Um well, just cuz like we were watching like this show about like this tomb on Netflix and how they they were talking about, you know, how they created like their tombs to like help them get into like the afterlife and have like all mm-hmm. of these things so i don't know it just gives me like egyptian vibes and like the cipher thing like interesting yes it is interesting also one of my favorite things to come out of this um so for those of you who are not americans maybe you are unaware of this but there was a politician by the name of ted cruz who <laughs> looks uncannily like the pictures of the zodiac killer he was born in canada and also was not born when the murders so it definitely wasn't him but we can Um, pretend but it was probably my favorite political conspiracy theory that had come out a couple years ago and when people were tweeting that the cipher had been discovered he literally responded and retweeted it and said oh no and then i saw somebody also tweet it and they're like guys your least favorite person just made a genuinely funny joke <laughs> i don't know how to feel about it because most people don't like him but it is uh, i will give him credit that was a pretty funny way to uh throw out that conspiracy I theory love it. again so i appreciate the joke not a fan but i do appreciate that one particular joke so i just wanted to make sure we talked about that absolutely oh it's very exciting I- it's it is, and I like freaked out and threw my phone when I read that. I was so well, excited. Well, I, I remember you texted me, and it was like in all caps. I was like, "What's happening?" And then I was like, "Oh my god, this is very exciting." Just just here in all caps, like this is not an emergency. I just have a lot of feelings <laughs> that I can only express through all caps right now. So we're getting closer. We're on we the horizon. Getting- We're getting closer, and I think there's just something I love so much about old unsolved crimes where I'm like, I just want to find them. Um, Like, the Golden State Killer was arrested on my birthday a couple years ago. That was so satisfying. It was, and it was my birthday, so that made it, like, way more exciting. I texted my boss in all caps when that happened, and she's like, I don't even know who that is. And I'm like, okay, let me send you 57 articles about this, like, right now. Because she was a true crime fan as well, and I was just, I was too excited. I was like, this is the best birthday ever. It was the best. I love it, and I love when old crimes get solved and the fact that they cracked the cipher is huge and it makes me very excited that maybe we'll be able to figure out who the zodiac killer actually was maybe not but it would be cool if we could yeah i would i would love that for 2021 
can make it a it's goal. It's the good vibes 2021 needs is just finding the Zodiac Find killer. him and then we'll be good. <laughs> Everything like, will he's be probably not alive anymore, so there's not much we can do about it at this point, but I want to know. Yes, I want to know too. We both want to know. But, um, yeah, so anyway, uh, next, that next thing on the agenda, on the agenda, um, real quick is we do want to give a shout out to our new patron. Um, her username is Jennifer, AKA Gelfling. Um, hello and welcome. And thank you for being a new person who supports us. We really appreciate it. Um, if you have any requests, definitely let us know. Also, something that I was thinking about in terms of our patrons, uh, and maybe getting better patron perks. Do you guys, are you interested in a spooky psychology discord server where you can chat and be friends and talk and stuff? If so, let us know. I'd be willing to open one as a Patreon perk. If that's something that you guys want. Also, if you both want it and also want to, like, moderate it, that would you let us know. That would yes. be helpful. I think there's moderators. I don't know. I've never used Discord, but... I have to play be... Among Us, but I don't know how else to use it otherwise. I have also been playing Among Us. We should play Among Us. Yes, we should. I didn't Maybe know we were playing. That will be great. I started playing with Caitlin this past week. Oh, I bet I'm Caitlin's very super fun to play it. with. She is the best at it. Who knows? Maybe that'll be our new thing. I know we had a request for a live show, which we'll work on. Maybe we'll just have a spooky psych Among Us game. That oh, would that'd be, be fun. fun. We'll invite you guys. If you want to play Among Us with us, let us know. Oh, that would be really fun. Yeah, definitely let us know. Um, so yeah, so what's up, Jennifer, aka Gelfling? And then um, just real briefly, we did want to shout out the feed SBS. Um it's a show in Australia. Um, so shout out to all our Australian peeps. We actually got to be on their show. We did. And it was very cool. We met um, Alice and Alice was super sweet and easy to talk to. She was the best. We like her. We do. And it was it was just cool because like I, you know, naturally I was nervous um, to be on the show. But, you know, she was, she was very easy to talk to. I was like, oh, we could be friends in real life, but you also live in Australia, so it might be hard. Um, Be a bit geographically inconvenient, but cool. Yes. Um, So yeah, we were on there. It was an episode about Santa, um, and we talked about, you know, child behavior modification, um, and just different things related to that. Um, definitely go back and listen to our episode about that from last year, if you're into that sort of thing. Yes, and also, might I just add, and I know we talked about this a few episodes ago, for real, that's one of my favorite episodes, and you guys just don't like it that much, which is fine, but it was very validating to me that we got an international news media request on what is low-key my favorite episode, because yes. I was like, at least Alice likes it, okay? She like, really liked it. I've got one. I got one, so uh, it was so fun. It was. To do. Um, that was our biggest. We... 
Lauren, that was the first time we've been on the news for the podcast. Lauren and I were on the local news for a child abuse prevention presentation once, but this was the first podcast news one, and that was really fun for us. That was. So yeah, go go check it out. Um, I think on their Facebook, they have like the little clicky thing where you can just like watch like the video and you'll see us chit-chatting about it. There was a couple other people um, that were on the episode. I think one guy like was like somebody who did like research on how people find out about Santa, which is really interesting. And then I think the other guy hosted another podcast. Yeah, it's it, there were other people. We posted it on our Facebook page as well. Yes. So if you want to check that out, you can find the link. Um, and yeah, that was super fun for us. Yes, it was. Also, I might add, per our most recent, um, <laughs> our most recent stats per Tim checking our stats and telling me about our stats, we're actually doing quite well in the social services Australia after the feed dropped that. So thank you to our new Australian listeners who maybe yes. decided to check out our podcast after watching that. We are glad to have you here. We are grateful. Ever grateful. Um, Speaking of gratitude, we definitely wanted to give a shout out to the people who wrote in about the good shit that happened this year. Yes. Should we tell their good shit at the beginning or the end of the episode? Oh, let's read it at the end of the episode. We'll read it at the end, but big shout out. We did get people sending us their good shit and we love it and we will be reading it. And sharing all of our uh, happy things from 2020, which was a dumpster fire of a year, but had many good moments. Um, Also, a big one on a personal note. So a couple weeks ago, we had shared with you that we were in the top 10% most popular podcasts on the globe. And uh, I checked it again the other day because we haven't released anything and our stats are way down, which is fine because we haven't been releasing everything. I was like, oh, we probably dropped off. But no, we didn't. We are now in the top 5% most popular podcast in the globe. So uh, thanks, guys, for everyone. I'm not sure what... I. There are way more people listening than our stats are indicating. Um, so this also indicates to me that maybe my goal of monetizing the podcast in 2021 will actually happen. Yeah, so that would be cool. There may be a survey at some point soon I'm going to need you guys to fill out so that we can make money and continue to do this podcast for a long time. So I'll let you know. Uh, usually they want you to have a survey from your listener listener demographics in order to get sponsors. So I'm going to be working on that over the next month or so because I think Lauren and I would both like more money than we have quite frankly. I would Just enjoy it. Person. Yeah. <laughs> Do that. We, so be on the lookout for news about that okay. survey in the future. Well, without further ado, we'll get into the topic of today. Um, a quick shout out to... So I don't know his actual name, but his screen name is Rave Enigma. He's a patron of ours um, who actually suggested this episode. So thank you to him for suggesting this. This has been very interesting to research and we're excited to talk about it. Um, so today we're going to talk about oh, Cotard yes. delusion and Capra's, Capra's syndrome. Oh, but I'm excited. Too excited. Um, so yes. Cotard delusion, which is often called walking corpse syndrome, mm. and Capgras delusion, which is often called 
believe it's the imposter syndrome like the actual imposter syndrome the other imposter syndrome not the one where you just feel like you're kind of shitty at your job um speaking of which struggling with that one right now oh we all are we all are but this is the one where you think your family has been replaced by imposters right so we split this up differently today so I'm going to talk about walking corpse syndrome and Lauren is going to talk about imposter syndrome. So you're just going to get much larger chunks of each of us talking. Yes. And I think you guys can cope with that. So welcome to, I'm going to tell you all about walking corpse syndrome, which this is a strange one. Lauren, would you rather have walking corpse syndrome or imposter syndrome? I think imposter syndrome. I don't think I don't think I would want to feel like I, I was dead. Yeah. Interesting because I would rather have walking <laughs> interesting corpse uh syndrome for one reason, one reason only, which is that the walking corpse delusion actually has shown some effective treatment and imposter syndrome has not. So oh, I good. would go for the one that seems more treatable. Okay, there you have it. If I had to choose. So basically, the Kotar delusion, it's not, neither of these are standalone psychiatric disorders. They're specific delusions that occur in the context of something else going on. So the Kotar delusion, it oftentimes occurs with something else. Um, There is some treatment, which I will get to in a bit. But what is happening? So a big part of the Kotar delusion is something called nihilism, which is the belief that nothing has any value or meaning. Um, it can also be the belief that nothing really exists. So like nothing is real, nothing matters, nothing is important. And it really ties into this delusion because people with the delusion feel as if they're dead or their body is physically rotting or in some cases that they have never actually existed. Mm. Um, people can feel this with their entire body or with a specific body part. So sometimes they'll think that their leg is dead and is rotting, but the rest of their body is fine. Um, so it's really, really fascinating because there's still not like a ton of research on it. Um, but it is very closely related to depression. So about... 89% of people with this delusion do also have symptoms of depression. Um, They could also have anxieties, hallucinations, hypochondria, guilt, or preoccupate patient with um, hurting themselves or with death, which is usually can also be a part of depression. So it's most closely tied to depression. Um, Some studies show that the average age of someone with a delusion is 50, but it can occur in children or teenagers. Um, People who are under the age of 25 when they get the delusion are often or have bipolar depression. Interesting. Um, Women also are a bit more likely to (laughs) get this delusion. Great. Super excited. So if you're a woman with depression right around the age of 50, just be on the lookout if you suddenly feel dead. That being said, it's still pretty rare. If you feel like your body parts are rotting off of you. 
Yeah, interestingly enough, apparently, like, it can also be, like, feeling like your soul is gone or your soul oh is dead. God. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be your body. It's like some part of your being is dead. Um, it's very depressing. Yeah. And an interesting one. So this, uh, by the way, fun fact I came across in my research is that you can have the Cotard delusion and the Capgrass delusion together. I'm sure you can. Yeah. That's like the worst combo pack of all time. Like, like I'm dead and also everyone I know has been replaced by imposters. That sounds, that's a lot. It's like your own so, personal hell. Yeah. Right. Sounds terrible. Um, but the Kotar delusion, there's oddly something that they've tracked with certain personality traits. So the Kotar delusion is more likely to occur in people who think that their personal characteristics instead of their environment cause their behavior, like who they are as a person, mm -hmm. versus people the opposite who think that their environment causes the behavior are more likely to get Capgras oh. syndrome than Cotard. So that's like an interesting thing where your own perception of yourself really can impact which one you could be more likely to get. Interesting. So, fascinating stuff. Um, in addition to depression, uh, people who have bipolar disorder, postpartum depression, catatonia, depersonalization disorder, dissociative disorder, psychotic depression, which is depression with psychosis, and schizophrenia are all more likely. Those could be some risk factors for getting the Kotar delusion. Um, especially if you have something that involves psychosis to begin with, that would automatically make you more likely because delusions are a symptom of psychosis. They are a type of psychosis. So if you already have a psychotic disorder, you would be more likely to get this specific delusion because you're already more prone to delusions in general. Um, um, but it's also associated with n like people who have no mental health concerns can also get it. So it's also associated with brain infections, brain tumors, dementia, epilepsy, migraines, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson disease, stroke, and traumatic brain injuries. Mm. So this is one of the reasons that whenever somebody first starts experiencing psychosis, so either hallucinations or delusions oftentimes therapists will recommend that they get a full medical evaluation as well as a psychiatric evaluation because you yeah. always want to screen because obviously if you do have a brain condition you want to know about that as soon as possible yep um i do know somebody who has ms who was actually originally diagnosed as having schizophrenia because ms can cause psychiatric symptoms and that is a concrete physical disorder um and treating that cleared it all up instantly like as soon as they were able to get that treatment other things cleared up as well so it's always important to rule out medical conditions right because you, do, you don't want to miss a brain tumor no nope, you don't it affects really a lot of wanna, things you want to know about that as soon as possible um so, the interesting thing is that there are some treatments that you can use with the Kotar delusion. Uh, they do recommend if you think that, if you, if this sounds like you, uh, some recommendations are to keep a journal of your symptoms to bring with your doctor's appointments um, to make sure that 
you you know how long it lasts when it starts things like what else were going on in your life um and weirdly enough on the basis of one of our recent episodes lauren do you want to guess what one of the main treatments of the cotard delusion is cbt cbt no it is not cbt it is our good friend electroconvulsive therapy oh good so um electroconvulsive therapy is a common treatment for very severe depression that doesn't respond to antidepressant medications so usually they will not give you ect unless you have for people who have tried a significant amount of antidepressants and have had long you know long-term issues without much symptom relief from antidepressants they're more likely to recommend this so again now with ect they give you a general anesthetic they sedate you and then they just gently electrocute your brain so that gently. you have very gently very gingerly to, very gingerly not like in the uh mk ultra where they just put that all the way up and just keep doing it no uh basically they found that people with seizures oftentimes have a symptom reduction in depression after they have a seizure so ect is basically giving you a seizure with the hope that it will reduce depressive symptoms um, so they're using it for people with depression with the Cotard delusion as well. Um, obviously, there are risks to ECT, so including memory loss, confusion, nausea, and muscle aches. So they usually will not do it um, until they've tried antidepressants, antipsychotics, mood stabilizers, therapy, and behavioral therapy. So usually they will try everything else before going there. Mm -hmm. um, but it does indicate that ECT can be effective when medications don't work. So sometimes they'll try you on different medications to see if that reduces it, um, and therapy as well, but ECT is kind of a big one. So, interestingly enough, there are complications and side effects to oh. having a Kotar delusion, because would you believe that people who are dead do not take good care of themselves? Yep, I could believe that for sure. Yeah, so oftentimes people with the delusion will stop eating or drinking oh. or showering because they believe themselves to already be dead. And therefore, if you're dead, you don't need to eat or drink. True. Um, so then, of course, if you're, you know, um, malnutrition, starvation are pretty common side effects. Um and suicidal ideation and suicide attempts are also very, very common because people think they're already dead. Sometimes they think they're proving that they're already dead by trying to kill themselves because they can't die because they're already dead. Right. Um, or they might feel trapped, like, in a fake body, so they will try something to see if they can die for real or, you know, if things will improve. So... It's pretty rare, but obviously it is serious, and there's lots, you know, there's a lot with it, um, and, you know, many negative side effects. So, you know, living with it is very, very difficult to do. There's a lot of treatment that needs to work, but ECT is the most effective. Um, so now with some, like, kind of just stories about it, some case studies, yes. obviously I don't don't have like a big flashy one uh, because you know flashy no, flashy no, don't have like a flashy in-depth story like we do for a lot of the murders and stuff um 
But so the first case of this ever reported was in 1788. What a year in the What 1700s. a year it was. What a year it was. Uh, 1788, where um, it was Charles Bonnet was the one who reported it. It was one of the earliest cases. There was an elderly woman who was cooking some food. She felt a draft, as I'm sure houses in 1788 were perhaps drafty. The draftiest of houses. The draftiest. And then became paralyzed on one side of her body. Um, When feeling the... Like, when feeling, movement, and the ability to speak returned to her. So she did actually get paralyzed. But then, once it came back, she told her daughters to dress her in a shroud and place her in a coffin. Because she thought she had died. Can you imagine your mom just being like, excuse me, Megan, can you just put me in a coffin real quick? Because I'm pretty sure I'm dead. Pretty sure I'm dead. Like, fairly certain. Uh, So just put me in a coffin. And uh, she demanded that her daughter, friends, and maid all treated her like she was dead. They gave in, eventually put her in a shroud, laid her out so they could mourn her. They had a wake. Um, They said that during the wake, she would fuss with the shroud and complain that it was the wrong color. Uh, And they finally fell. She finally fell asleep. Her family undressed her, put her to bed. Um, she was treated with a powder of precious stones and opium. Opium? Opium. Okay. And some ground up precious stones. Medical treatment used to be a really fascinating thing. Um, so after that treatment, it went away, but it did continue to come back. Um, so this is something that's been noted for quite a while um with different things where yeah there you know was that was one of the first one where she's just like i'm dead put me in a coffin which is like i'd be like mom let's let's have a talk real quick before i do this for you yeah i would just be like yes okay why don't you go get ready uh for the coffin which we're immediately gonna place in this ambulance i'm (laughs) right hospital Like, I'm going to make a phone call totally unrelated. Um, Just going to get your funeral ready. Hang on. Yeah. Yeah. Completely normal. normal Can I ask a question? Yes. What is a shroud? So a shroud is like a cloth that they wrap a body in. Oh. Just curious. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, they just wrap your body in a shroud. That is uh, not something they do anymore but something that well i guess not in america they might use shrouds in other places we don't really use it um in current burials they just kind of dress you and put you in a coffin but yes they used to wrap up the body in like a um, i don't know exactly what it was made of but it was a it was a body covering i'd like to be wrapped up in a weighted blanket to ease my anxiety (laughs) (laughs) a weighted blanket I'm sure your corpse will be very anxious. Very <laughs> anxious. <laughs> I, we'll put that in your will to just Thank you. bury you covered in a weighted blanket. I would love it. That would Perfect. be great. Good, good stuff. Um, so another one, this is a hundred years later, a neurologist, Jules Cotard, hence Cotard Delusion. Oh, uh-huh. uh, saw a patient with an unusual complaint. She said that in she claimed to have no brain, no nerves, no chest, no stomach, and no intestines. 
Um, despite this predicament, she thought she was eternal and would live forever. Um, so she, um, obviously, like, if you don't have any of those important organs and are alive, then you feel like you're eternal. Unfortunately, uh, since she thought she was immortal and didn't have organs, she didn't see the need to eat and she died of starvation. So, pretty okay. sad one. Um, but that was one of the first, like more scientific descriptions um and that spread really wildly so that's why the disorder was named after him um i mean as a doctor like how do you like if somebody comes in they're like yeah like i casually like don't have my intestines like as a doctor how do you respectfully say like i call bullshit pretty sure you do and let's try i'm pretty sure what happens when that happens is they're like Interesting, interesting. Let me make a phone call. Again, unrelated to what you're saying. Totally you're unrelated. getting a psych eval. It's like, <laughs> this nice, because literally that's like a lot of these cases where people go to the ER and end up psychiatrically hospitalized because yeah. they're like, interesting. Let's have you talk to this doctor here about this situation. Some gentle um, medication. Yes. So like there was one in uh, 2008 where psychiatrists report on a 53-year-old patient who complained that she was dead and smelled like rotting flesh. She asked her family to take her to the morgue so that she could be with all the other dead people. Uh, they called 911 instead of taking her to the morgue. She was admitted to a psychiatric unit, was given medication, and was released with significant improvements. Oh, well, good for so her. So that's a nice one. Yeah. yeah, that's a nice one. The medication worked. Um, so there were 96, a Scottish man had a head injury in a motorcycling accident and, uh, began to believe that he had died during his recovery. Not long after his recovery, him and his mother moved to South Africa. The heat, he explained to his doctors, like the change in the temperature, confirmed his suspicion because he believed he was in hell because he thought he was dead and it was very hot outside. So clearly he was in hell. Which must be terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, going into, like, some actual case studies, which I love some more in depth. This was from some research um, by Sandeep Grover, Jitender Anesha, Sonali Mahayan, and Sanaya Varma. My apologies to all of these wonderful researchers if I just butchered all of your names. <laughs> we just get, like, a letter, like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Um, so, basically, talking about how Cotard syndrome is a very rare neuropsychiatric condition, denies existence of the own body to the extent of delusions of immortality. Um, so, in this one, okay, so this is a case report from uh, Mr. B was a 65 year old retired teacher who was well and had no history of mental illness uh, did smoke cigarettes for 30 years um, and a year and a half before this did have some onset mental illness after psychosocial stressors okay that is for those of you who don't know and have never 
requested your own therapy notes from your therapist. That's what we put down for literally any stressful mm -hmm. life event is social stressors, uh, interpersonal conflict or difficulty. That is just uh, generic. Generic. They're a little stressed out about normal life things. Where it's like their life is stressful and they're having a response to it. Yeah. So he had some stress in his life. Uh, was having some issues um, such as decreased socialization and hedonia, which is the inability to feel pleasure from pleasurable oh, activities. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Was not having any fun. Anxiety, decreased sleep and appetite, ideals of worthlessness, hopelessness, sin, and guilt. Uh, all of those symptoms of depression. So he was depressed. And then also went further. So he started having multiple delusions of catastrophe, nihilism, poverty, and persecution. So he thought there was a lot happening in his life. Um, his nihilistic delusions involved a description of everything coming to an end. He said his organs weren't working, his brain stopped functioning, his house had developed cracks and is going to fall down. Oh. So a month before being admitted to the hospital, he attempted suicide via hanging but no. was saved. Oh, okay. Um, so he was saved before hospitalization Good. and had left a suicide note indicating that he wanted to kill himself because he thought that he was spreading a deadly infection to all of the other villagers Aww. who might then develop cancer because of the infection that he had that would infect them. What a terrible delusion. Yeah. Yeah, so he, you know, attempted suicide in an effort to save people. That's very kind. Very kind of him, and I'm glad he was able to get help. Yes. Um, over the next two months, he attempted suicide twice more. Oh my god. Um, and then was finally brought to an outpatient unit and was admitted for inpatient care. Um, he had hypertension, malnutrition, some other stuff going on, um, which basically indicated he hadn't been eating because he thought that he was dead yeah. um so in addition it's like he had medical conditions he had a sad affect agitation was hopeless delusional um thought he was dead he lacked insight to his illness um was diagnosed with severe depression with psychotic features and um yeah, his depression score at the rate of admission was 34. He was uh, put on a bunch of medication and was given electroconvulsive therapy. Okay. Um, his depression score at the time of discharge was 1. So they were able to essentially cure it for him. His medication and ECT worked in a lovely way, and it says he maintained improvement after he left the discharge unit. So he did, in fact... Uh, you know, it worked, right? He got medication, he got help, and his delusions went away. But imagining how terrifying it must be to genuinely believe that you are dead. Yeah. I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, there, there's, like, no, like, escaping that feeling or feeling any sort of, like, reassurance of, like, no, you're not dead. Like, you know, because your brain is doing so much work to, like, convince you that you are. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's always, like, the tricky thing about delusions is, like, not everybody knows that they have a delusion, right? Some right. people definitely do. Um, some people are aware of it. But, like, so many people, like, they don't know. And if you genuinely believe that you're dead, number one, how scary that must be. Yeah. 
for a lot of people, but also how hard it must be to treat and how distressing for your family. Yeah. As well. Yeah, because I'm sure, like, any of, like, their family members are like, I don't know what the fuck to do, like. Right? That's crazy. Like, they're quite dead, which I don't don't know how to help with that. Like, they think they're dead. I see that they're not. (laughs) I can tell, based on the fact that they're alive, that they're not. But again, like, delusions don't always make sense, right? They don't always know and how hard it is to, like, treat and convince someone that what they have is actually a delusion. Right. Because it's it's real for them. And that's, like, Mm -hmm. the biggest thing. Like, especially, like, with, you know kind of unrelated but like with like schizophrenia like the hallucinations feel real like you know like they're it's very hard to distinguish mm-hmm. and i mean also with like when the especially with hallucinations right your brain is making it your brain mm-hmm. is telling you it's real it's very hard to differentiate from what your brain is sensing that right. it's not real um so i got one more case study on this one Okay. Uh, so this is Mrs. A, who is a 62-year-old homemaker who had bipolar affective disorder for 35 years. Um, I believe this is from... This study was done elsewhere, which is why some of the actual diagnostic terms are a bit different than what we would see in the U.S., because not everybody uses the DSM. Um, so I would assume that bipolar affective disorder would just be bipolar disorder in the united states currently Um, yeah so yeah she had a relapse uh with symptoms of depressed mood anxiety decreased socialization loss of appetite and weight loss decreased interest in her household and her activities poor self-care feelings of worthlessness pessimistic views of the future forgetfulness and psychomotor retardation which means like a lack of regular movement very slow movement um she then later started to experience the nihilistic delusions including like she negated the existence of her body parts and her family members so nothing existed she was not real they were not real um so again that could have actually been a combo pack of both if she thought that her family members were imposters it doesn't quite give enough information to do that um they specifically said negation of existence of family members was not accompanied by persecutory delusion or a misidentification. So it wasn't actually thinking that they were imposters. She just denied that they existed at all. Interesting. Yeah. She believed that she had been, that something had happened that had caused her to be very poor, which was not the case. She believed that her house would collapse any day and everyone inside would die. She started refusing food, as she already believed herself to be dead. She progressed four weeks prior to admission to the inpatient unit. She developed mutism, so she was no longer speaking. She refused to eat, um, and she had fecal and urinary incontinence. So she was oh. unable to control when she went to the bathroom. And rigidity in all of her limbs, so she wouldn't was not moving at all. Um, so she was severely, she was dehydrated. She had a bunch of symptoms, low vitamin D levels, um... An MRI showed some cerebral atrophy as well. Um, So basically, they looked through everything. They were treating her for her bipolar disorder with severe depression, with psychotic symptoms, malnutrition, and anemia Mm -hmm. um, from not eating because she believed herself to be dead. 
She was given IV lorazepam, which was not effective. Therefore, they used ECT um, as and her catatonic antidepressive symptoms reduced over the score. Um, and she, at the time, they also addressed her nutritional deficiencies and gave her mood stabilizers. And her catatonia score was down to zero. So wow. the cat, the being unable to move, that's catatonia, where you just kind of stay in one place, um, which you will see in basically diseases with psychotic factors. So both cases, they had depression with psychosis, um, which led to that, which is just really interesting, I think, because it shows like the extent of the additional symptoms, how it's not totally. just thinking that you're dead, like there's so much else going on. Well, the other part that's interesting that I'm noticing in these case studies is it seems to like bleed into like their environment where they like they themselves feel like, oh, I'm falling apart or like I'm dying Mm -hmm. or I'm dead. But then it's like they feel like their house is falling apart, too. Like, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But overall terrifying disorder. But I am glad to hear that there are some treatment options that are seeming effective for people who have this. Totally. Very spooky. Very interesting. Very spooky indeed. All right. Well, why don't we get into um, Capgras syndrome? Mm -hmm. So kind of like Megan was saying before, the other name for this one is also known as imposter syndrome. Um, So when you think of Capgras syndrome, a lot of times, you know, how media does, they take a disorder and kind of turn it into something else. So, you know, they've definitely used this in like horror movies with like invasion of the body snatchers, stuff like that. Um, So that's kind of what it's known for in the media. Um, But the reality of it is that people who experience this syndrome have this irrational belief that someone they know or recognize has been replaced by an imposter. So, for example, they might accuse a spouse of being an imposter. Um, They might accuse a friend, you know, just important people in their lives, essentially. So, in some cases, the person experiencing the delusion may believe that an animal, an object, or even a home is an imposter. Um, This disorder can affect anyone but it's more common again in women which of course like this um and it's super rare but it it can affect children um so interestingly an old theory that was used to explain capgras syndrome which we we don't believe this anymore it's been better researched um is that it was some kind of Freudian thing, um, so like a form of like childhood Oedipus or Electra complex, um, where you would have some sort of injury to your cortex, and then a childhood sexual attraction comes forward, and then you normalize it by saying, oh, it can't be my mother, or else I wouldn't be attracted to her. So we have learned way more about it <laughs> since then, and we no longer <laughs> think that this is the case. We pretty much no longer agree with that line of thinking on just Most. about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Freud is a little, it's a little spooky. We've moved past him as a society. Yes. Um, so what's interesting about Capgras syndrome is that it's commonly associated with Alzheimer's disease or dementia. 
Um, mm. So both of these affect memory and can alter your sense of reality, which is very interesting. Um, another thing that can cause this is schizophrenia, actually, um, especially the type where you have paranoid hallucinations. Um, as we know, and we've talked about it in a previous episode, schizophrenia affects, you know, people's sense of reality and can cause delusions. Um, another reason that this could happen for people is due to brain injury, you know, just like we've talked about before. Um, it can cause cerebral le lesions, um, and is most common when the injury happens in the back of the right hemisphere. So this is where the brains process facial recognition. So that makes sense, right? It's like, oh, something's like a little bit off. Like this must be an imposter. Yeah. Um, also in rare cases, people with epilepsy might experience Capgras syndrome, which kind of weird, kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. It is interesting that they both can be common in like brain injuries and epilepsy, but it seems that, um, the cotard is much more similar, like associated with depression and Capgras is a bit more associated with like a physical yeah, and, and more of, like, an anxiety almost, or, like, mm -hmm. a paranoia versus, like, the depression and, like, yeah. you know. Um, so, I mean, there's many theories on what causes the syndrome. Most researchers believe that Capgras syndrome is caused by a problem within the brain, like an atrophy, lesions, or cerebral dysfunction. Um, and some people believe that it's a combination of physical and cognitive changes in which feelings of disconnectedness contribute to the, to the problem. Um, researchers also believe that it's a problem with processing information or an error in perception. Um, so this coincides with the damaged or missing memories. So this might just be like a big old perception disorder. So, um, I also researched, you know, how do you treat this? Um, so right now there's no prescribed treatment plan with this disorder because more research essentially needs to happen. Um, but treatment does aim to address underlying causes. So for example, um, you know, if somebody with schizophrenia experiences Capgras syndrome, you know, the best thing to do is treat the schizophrenia and therefore the Capgras syndrome, um, will eventually get better. Um, some places will use something called validation therapy. Um, so what this is, is, so delusions are actually supported instead of rejected, which is an interesting way to kind of go about it. I don't know if I agree with it hundred percent, but, mm -hmm. um, I guess it can reduce the anxiety and panic in the person experiencing the delusion. I can see that being more common, especially with somebody who has Alzheimer's or dementia, because it can be really distressing for people with Alzheimer's or dementia to be constantly challenged on their perceptions. So especially, like, I can see that being useful, particularly in cases where it's not a treatable condition. Yeah, that's true. To just reduce the stress that they're feeling about it. Right, right. Um... And then there's also a, another form, it's called reality orientation techniques. Um, so it means that the caregiver gives reminders of the present time and location, including reminders of major life events, moves, or any substantial changes. So it's, it's kind of the opposite of validation therapy, but it's kind of just helping remind them, like, no, like, you know, this is where we're at, this is how we're oriented, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I also found a really great article um, that kind of gave some tips for how to care for someone with Capgras. Because, I mean, obviously with both of these conditions, you know, if you have a family member who's going through this, it's very hard for them. Um, and it's also hard for family to know what to do and, like, how to act. Um, so in this article I read, they talked about how to care for them. So it said... Um, to enter their realm of reality when possible. So it can help if you try to understand how terrifying it must be for them. So, mm-hmm. like, even if you don't agree with it, where you're like, okay, like, clearly, you know, that's, like, your real husband. Like, it's not an imposter. Just kind of validating their experience. I mean, like, that must be terrifying to feel like, you know, that's not really your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so they also encourage you to not argue with them or try to correct them. Um, and then to do what you can to make them feel safe. If you're unsure what to do, you can just ask them what they need. Like, what can I do to make you feel more safe right now? Um, acknowledge their feelings, of course. Um, if possible, have the imposter, quote unquote, leave the room. So if this is you or you're the caregiver, let someone else take over until the episode is over if you can. Mm hmm. Another one is to rely on sound, and I found this really interesting. So if you know someone is prone to Capgras syndrome, you can make sure the first way they register your appearance is with sound. So greet them out loud before you see them when possible. So I guess, you know, just the way the brain is, like, oriented, like, when you have this disorder, I guess, like, sound becomes, like, more reliable than what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of cool. I've even heard that for... Um... If you're familiar with face blindness, where some mm-hmm. people just are incapable of recognizing people based on appearance, but they can usually still recognize you by sound. So it's helpful to let them recognize you by sound first so they know who you are before they see you. Right. It's very interesting. I was like, ooh, these are very helpful. Um, okay. So now I wanted to tell you guys a case of Capras sy- syndrome um, that's pretty well-known, it seems. Um, But it was researched. Um, Mm -hmm. So here's the story. So in 2011, there is a case of a woman named Mary, and she was in her 40s. So Mary was originally referred for a psychiatric evaluation out of concern that a mental health diagnosis was interfering with her ability to safely take care of her child, essentially. So the patient had stated on numerous occasions that her nine-year-old daughter, Sarah, had been placed in the custody of Child Protective Service and replaced by an imposter. So she also reported um, that she had given birth to twins, but that the hospital record only documented the birth of Sarah. So on occasion, she had shown up to her daughter's school, refusing to pick her up, screaming, give me my real daughter. I know what you've done. Hmm. So then Mary, um, Mary had essentially like expressed that she had seen like a car drive by with an unknown person, um, with Sarah in the passenger seat. And this person like passed by her while she was running errands and sped away once she was noticed. So again, just like really like these delusional like thoughts and beliefs of like, okay, like her real daughter is out there somewhere and somebody has stolen her essentially. So at that time, um, the Department of Social Services sought guardianship of her daughter, Sarah, until Mary could be deemed fit to be a parent. So following the hearing, her daughter was placed into the custody of social services. In response, her daughter, which is sad, said, you know, 
I love my mother, except for when she doesn't believe I'm me. Aww. Yeah. So during visitation, supervised by social services, Mary actually refused to talk with her daughter, maintaining that she was not Sarah and that the real Sarah had been handed away from her. So, like, really, really freaking sad, like, especially when it comes to her daughter and how that must have felt. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of continuing with this, um, what they know about Capgris syndrome is that the family member who is believed to be replaced is most often a spouse, parent, or sibling. Um, they're not really sure why, but the replaced family member is rarely the child of the delusional person, and even more rarely um, is a child younger than 20 years old. Hmm. Um, they also found in their research that although violence aimed at any person is is a significant threat. So if, you know, they believe like, okay, this is an imposter, I'm going to be violent towards them. Um, violence aimed at children is particularly worrisome. Um, in Mary's case, it was unique because the increased potential for violence in her relationship with her daughter needed to be taken seriously and into consideration um, when trying to assess for her daughter's safety during the time. Um, so there is a research team of Silva and colleagues that were mentioned in the article um, that found that some folklore, which I know, Megan, you're very interested in folklore, mm-hmm. and regional legends suggested that if a child is thought to have been replaced by another person or even by a demon, battering and being physically aggressive towards the imposter might bring the real child back. One Swedish fairy tale recounts the story of a woman who believed her child was an imposter. In this story, she is advised to put her baby into a hot oven, and when she does this, her true child will be returned. Hmm. So obviously this is a severe case. That's not necessarily the norm for patients with misidentification delusions. However, it is evident that violence and delusional persons can happen. Um, so I thought that was very interesting that, like, although this is, like, a rare disorder, there is some, like, folklore that surrounds it of, like, your child being, like, replaced by a demon and you need to, like, hurt them or, like, batter them and for, you know, your true child to be revealed. Like, it's just very Mm -hmm. disturbing. There's also, um, the kind of myth of the changeling child yes where they're replaced by a fairy and actually weirdly enough a lot of researchers uh think that that actually just comes off of children with autism because children of autism develop pretty typically for several years and then suddenly regress and change overnight so kids who can walk particularly with more um severe autism where kids will like walk and talk and then one day they just stop and so they think that some of the like ah the changeling child who's just kind of odd and was obviously replaced by a fairy could have just been kids with autism who suddenly changed over time because it was often toddlers so that's just an interesting one about how people must have like, now we know what it is, but yeah, in the past, how that could have impacted it. Right. And I, I think, you know, especially with um, Capgras syndrome, I, you know, in the article and what I've read about it, it is uncommon for you to believe that the imposter is a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, like, how difficult that must be. Like, for, you know, example, in this case study, like, Sarah, like, her daughter, just being, like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know, like, how to convince my mom that, like, I'm myself, you know? Right. Like, how would a child know how to do that? Right. 
and just like her mom like openly rejecting her like it's just very sad i think these are both like delusions that people kind of think of as so like spooky and maybe even like funny at first particularly with like walking dead syndrome and then like once you really think about the logistics it's like man that's just sad yeah it's very sad it impacts everybody around you yeah like it's just a very like sad and distressing condition to have yeah yeah but you know it's it's out there i mean it exists i know it's pretty rare Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I personally have never worked with anybody who had either of these disorders. Nor have I. So, ugh. But I think it is helpful to know just, like, the comorbidity, like, with other disorders and how, like, you know, with, like, schizophrenia or, like, epilepsy, like, just kind of being aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so now that uh, we're all good and depressed and feeling sorry for children, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, why don't we move into the good shit of 2020? Shit. Your guys' is good shit. Your guys' is good shit, and then we'll end with maybe the best thing that we have gone through in 2020. Maybe okay. our top good shit of the year. That sounds good. Yeah. Would you like me to start? Um, Sure. Okay, so I got several. So, first good shit for this year from our top fan on Facebook, Sarah Maloney. Hello, Sarah. I love that Sarah starts her off with, this is a total suck-up, for sure, with a laughing emoji, but she's got a few things. Number one, she's super glad that in 2020 she learned that spooky psychology existed. Sarah, we're glad that you're here. Yeah. We appreciate you. Um, And... This year, she made a really good new friend, which is wonderful, getting some friendship, some companionship. Their dogs love each other, which is also great. Very excited Um, for that. So becoming good, close friends with a neighbor, which is so good to just have a friend so close to you. Yes. Uh, That's wonderful. Way to go, Sarah, in 2020. Hey, Sarah! That is good shit. That is good shit. All right, Chloe... Fogarty from our Facebook. Chloe, like myself, got married this year. Ooh. Congratulations to Chloe and her spouse. I might add, uh, not to be weird, but I did click on your profile. And Chloe, you looked beautiful on your wedding day. I love your dress. She wore a lovely black evening gown. Yes, I saw that. It was so cool. Super cool. Uh, he also bought and started building a house and started studying psychology so big things happening for chloe this year moving in a direction that she sounds thrilled with that is very proud of you good shit brandy got a promotion at work after 15 years way to go yes Brandy. brandy brandy we are proud of you you're crushing it you're crushing it you are crushing it uh I have like three or four or five more because I got a lot of my stuff. No, I'm I'm happy. Uh, my mom's good shit for 2020 was oh. that her youngest daughter got married. Thanks, mom. That oh, is, that's you. That's me. <laughs> that would be me. So thank you, mom. Uh, Sam, best thing to happen, he got engaged to Anna yes. in 2020. So happy uh, for Sam. So happy for Sam. He reached his reading goal of 20,000 pages of reading in 2020. Holy shit. Way to go. 
you absolute beast of reading. Uh, he became, he, he studied, I'm very proud of him for this. He, uh, Sam is like one of my best friends, guys. So if I'm getting a bit overly familiar, I do know him quite well. Um, so he passed his personal certification, personal trainer certification, and put on 15 pounds of muscle, which he's always trying to gain muscle. So good for him, Sam, getting engaged, gaining yes. muscle, becoming a trainer, and reading more than anyone else that I know. Yes. Okay. That good shit, getting gains good. in his brain, his body, and his heart. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about them gains, Sam. Yes. Okay, now we just got three more from Instagram. People responded very intensely to me, but I was also like, nobody sent us anything. So this week, I'm like, everybody, get together. Okay, so Instagram, Susie Lee finished her practicum. Way to go, Susie. Susie, I know her quite well, is studying to become a therapist and finished her practicum this year. So proud. Uh, Elizabeth upped her therapy appointments way to go elizabeth get that self-care on get it on so important in 2020 to see your therapist or see your therapist more than you already were uh and then lastly for me uh it's me underscore the three don't know your real name because this is instagram secured an internship and a job in the dream field before graduating in april Woo, that's awesome (laughs) graduate get an internship and a job and is studying for a master's in public health way to go you're crushing it you're crushing it you're doing great all right i got um a patron who wrote in spiff one of our longtime friends here hey spiff he's spiff um so spiff says best thing of 2020 i adopted a senior problem cat named billy the cat she was a rescue from a hoarding situation, terrified of everyone and everything, had behavior to indicate that she had clearly been starved before, and has damage that suggests she's been through some huge physical impact that messed up her spine. It's been a few months, and she has gone from hiding in drawers and hissing at all interaction attempts to jumping onto my lap while I work and sleeping on my chest at night. Aww. Billy the cat, that's wonderful. Billy and Spiff doing great. They're doing great in 2020. That's awesome. Um, Angel wrote in. He says, my good shit. Ain't got a cold or flu all year. Awesome. Um, He also said 20 years of migraines are under control with medication and a CPAP. Yeah. Um, Yes, CPAPs. Get it. (laughs) Wifey is happy and successful at work and she is a huge pile of my good shit. (laughs) He goes, yeah, I know that sounds bad, but dot, dot, dot. He goes, I am thankful every day for the love and care she gives me and our three mutts. I wouldn't be me without her. Oh, Very sweet. Love a good spousal shout out. Absolutely. They deserve it. Truly. Um, so, yeah. Oh, gosh. Thank you guys for writing in. These were all great. These were really, really great, and such a good reminder that even though 2020 was rough, there were good things happening. So, Lauren, what is your good shit for 2020? Mm, I'll give a few. So, 
One is um, our niece Rosie being born. That definitely was a positive thing of 2020. We just love her. Um, Another thing is my brother-in-law and his boyfriend actually bought a house down the street from us. They bought a house down the street from you? That's precious. I know. We're very, very excited. Um, There's going to be so many midnight margaritas. I cannot wait. And I'm very happy for you and your margaritas. Thank it's you. Be wonderful. Thank you. Um, and then I would say, like, the last thing is, you know, being able to work from home um, with Nick, my husband. I think I've just really enjoyed, like, being with each other more and getting the opportunity to do that. It's been cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so. so nice. Yeah. How about you? Well, my big one, uh, very similar to my mother's. <laughs> good shit for this year i got married um which uh i guess for newer listeners and people out of the country so i got my wedding was exactly one week before our state illinois locked down um so it's been surreal for sure because uh we have not so the we went to brunch with friends the morning after our wedding and we haven't eaten in a restaurant since then um because yeah, restaurants were shut down. We got married on Saturday, and on Saturday they they announced that restaurants in Illinois were shutting down on Monday. So it has been weird. It has been such a strange year, but I... It's so good. I loved my wedding. There were a lot of sad things about it because a lot of people, due to the pandemic, weren't able to come. Mm-hmm. But we did get to get married, and he is my best friend ever i love him so much and it's very nice to be married we planned it for a long time um and especially since our date was so meaningful to us it was really nice that we were able to get married on the day that we wanted to totally yeah yeah that was good shit i was there you you were there as well yeah it was a good time um so yeah i think that that's really the main one um And, you know, just being able to read more and Mm -hmm. being able to work from home and keep working um, in a time that many people were not. Yeah, very grateful for that. That's a huge blessing. Very grateful that we were both able to (laughs) keep working. um, I would say this is probably my busiest year, in fact. Me as well, yes. Very busy, but uh, grateful to have the opportunity to work and help people during this time. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. All right, guys. Well, that was some good shit. Um, Thank you for listening and supporting us in 2020. We're excited about 2021. Um, And definitely send in requests and feedback and rate and review and subscribe and... Follow mm-hmm. us on the social medias and all of that. Follow us on social media. Maybe give some money to our Patreon if you are willing yes. and able to do so. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for a good 2020. And since we are releasing this on January 1st, 2021, welcome to 2021. We made it. We made it. And we're glad that you guys are here with us. Yes. Thanks for getting spooky. Thanks for getting spooky. Bye. Bye.